Welcome, and thanks for tuning in to the Watermark OC Church Sunday Message. Watermark is a generational community that is crazy passionate about starting a conversation about God, your relationships, and authentic love. If you're interested in getting more information, please click the link in the show notes for next steps. Thanks again for listening. It's our hope and prayer that this message would transform your life. You know, I, I really felt like I was, you know, truly, you know, born into a family, you know, um, as Bucky has talked about in his sermons, that you kind of just get born into this. And and it doesn't necessarily feel like it's, a, like, requiring a lot of effort. It's just something that's, like, natural to me, something that I need to. It's become um, it's become my power source, my energy, my, my like, how it sustains me. At our Wednesday groups, I think the biggest thing is you meet people who are going through the same thing that you're going through, and you can immediately feel like there's no way anyone else is feeling this way, and there's no way that there's anybody who's my age who's struggling with work or struggling with school or struggling with family, and then you all start talking, and it turns out that almost everybody is having the same type of problem, and it's the best place to come and talk about it and have a safe space and be able to share and have a family build with people that you start to get to know over the weeks. It really feels like you could just like walk up to someone you don't know, say hi, and then all of a sudden it's just like, yeah, hey man, we're hugging afterwards, and you know, we're, we're it's like, oh yeah, hey, we're 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 gonna be brothers or sisters here. And even though you only see them maybe one day a week, you still can go back to them every weekend and be like, hey. You're my family too, and even though I only see you one day a week, always thinking about you, always feel welcomed, always want to be able to hug you and share coffee with you and eat a donut. Right. Hey, welcome to Watermark. Good to see you guys. That was uh, two of our young adults leaders, Jason and Kelsey. Give them a hand. They did a great job up there, and they were talking about... Really, the idea behind this series, we're talking about family, church is family. And as you look at the biblical model of church, when you open up the scriptures, especially the book of Acts, when it talks about the church, the early church, we're in this book, looking at church as a family, because when you realize that when God created his best work, the church, he didn't create a building, buildings are nice, I love buildings, uh, he didn't create just an event that you come to once or twice a month just to check in. It wasn't about that. He created a family. Church is a family, and that's God's heart for church. And that's what we belong to when we become a part of a church. We belong to a family. So we've been doing this series out of the book of Acts uh, called Church, Family, Family Here. And we're glad you're here this morning. We're going to take another step in that, and we hope that you're encouraged. Wherever you're at in your spiritual journey, you may have questions about the church, about Jesus. We're followers of Jesus. And if you have questions, we're always excited to meet people for coffee, to talk about your questions, to process, because family is a place where you process. We don't have our acts together. Nobody here has their act together. Just as Kelsey and Jason were showing you, we come with all of our stuff, we unpack it, and we have people that love us and accept us and encourage us on our spiritual journey. That's what a family is about. So if you have questions, 
If you want to have a God conversation, Ben and I are always here to have coffee and to pray for you, to encourage you. And so thanks for being here this morning, especially if you're here for the first time. And we're talking about, again, God, when he created his church, he created a family. God wants you to flourish. That's his desire for your life. He wants you to flourish in your marriage. He wants you to flourish in your education. He wants you to flourish in the workplace. He wants you to flourish in your neighborhood. He wants you to flourish and grow and become who he created you to become. And that happens through a family connection with him. Just like in the natural world, nobody flourishes without a family, right? Nobody even gets into this world without a family. In the same way in the spiritual world, nobody flourishes or becomes who God created them to be without a family. God made family for you because he made you for family. It says, as we talked about Patrick in the opening worship, he read this verse, that even before you were created, even before you were born, God knew you. He knew what he was going to happen with your life, and he formed you and created you for family. He chose you to be adopted as his son or his daughter through Jesus Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us. That was the reason he chose you. Not because of your performance. Not because of the color of your skin. Not because of your bank account. Not because of your ethnicity. Not because of anything like that. He chose you out of his own love and grace for you. It comes out of his heart. He chose you in Christ to be holy and blameless without fault in his eyes. When God looks at you in Christ, he sees you as beautiful, lovely, holy, and blameless, without a spiritual defect or flaw. God decided in advance to adopt us into his family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. When God chose you, he chose to send his son for you. When God chose you to adopt you, he chose to send his son for you so you could be adopted through Christ's redeeming love. That's the power of the cross and the resurrection. That's how we're covered in God's blameless, holy love and we're adopted into his family. It's in Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do and it gave him great pleasure. What gives God joy is when, when somebody says, yes, God, I want to be a part of your family. I accept your son, Jesus. I want to be adopted as your very own That gives God the greatest joy when we choose to accept the greatest offering of his love. And so family is this place that we're born into. We're born again. When we accept Jesus Christ, we're born again in a new life. You know, there's physical life when we come out of the womb. There's spiritual life when the the Spirit of God births his life into us. We are born again. Family is something that we're born into by belief and faith in Jesus Christ. And we belong to family. We're not just born into it, right? No, nobody Ubers home from the hospital alone, right? Have you ever seen any of these babies Ubering home alone? They don't Uber home alone, right? Somebody takes them home. It's usually a mom or a dad. They come home with family because you're born into a family. You belong to a family. That's where you get your name. That's where you're known. That's where you're loved. That's where you understand that you are a beloved son or a daughter. There's always family. You always belong here. Right? It's the place where you belong. It's the place that you're needed. The family needs you to show up. The family needs you to participate. The family needs you to be a part. Family is where we belong. And family, today we want to focus on this fact of family. Family is how we become. 
Family's where we grow up. We get fed, right? The refrigerator's open, right? Family's the place where we get fed. Family's the place that we get nurtured. Family's the place where we get instructed. And also we get disciplined, right? Sometimes we have those tough family conversations and, and it, we have to talk about some things in us that need to grow up and mature. Family's the place where we have those conversations. And because of that, we grow up to become the person that God created us to be. That's what family's about. And that was fam- God's dream from the beginning when he created family. Is he wanted to grow you up because you have a family likeness, right? What do they say? Like father, like, like father, like son, right? I'm little Bucky. My, my dad's big Bucky, right? And now I'm big Bucky, but I'm, I'm little Bucky still. But I'm big Bucky because I'm taller than him. I've grown up. But everybody, place I go, oh, I see, your, I see that you're your father's son. I see your little Bucky. Oh, yeah, I, I know your dad. You look just like your dad. And everywhere I went, people say, you look like your dad, right? Well, you look like your dad, your heavenly father in a spiritual sense. And he chose you so he, you would grow up to become like his son. This is what it says in the book of Romans. That God chose you so that you would grow up to become like his son, spiritually. God knew what he was doing from the very beginning. This is his plan again. He decided from the outset to shape the lives of those who love him. That's the church. That's his people. Along the same lines, he's shaping your life along the lines of his son, the life of his son. The son stands first in line of humanity. He's the perfect human, right? Jesus Christ, the God-man, became the perfect human, right? His character, his life, his attitudes, his actions. And now God is changing you and making you like his son, to conform to the image of his son. Restored. We, we, we see the original intended shape of our lives there in him. If you want to know what God's plan is and purpose for your life, if you want to know what the target is, right? What do I focus on? What's the target of my life? Is it money? Right? Is it to make a certain amount of income? Is that the target of my life? Is the target of my life to have this great career path and become successful in my career? Is the target of my life to have this many children or that? Those are all fine targets, but the target of your life, as far as God is concerned, is that you become like his son Jesus. That is his priority in your life. He wants you to become like his son. You were created, the book of Genesis tells us, in Genesis 1, to live a godly life, right? To reflect, to be image bearers, the Imago Dei. You were created uniquely amongst all the creation to bear the image of God, to reflect Him in the way that you stewarded your life, your time, your talents, your treasures, all the things that He's given to you as a gift. As you steward those things and live those things, you are to reflect His character to the creation. That's why God created you, uniquely to bear his image. And unfortunately, the story plays out is that we bought a lie. We thought it wasn't about becoming godly. We thought it was about becoming God, right? We bought this lie that we could become God on our own. That's the lie of religion. All the world's religions, without, outside of Christianity, because Christianity is not a religion, says that you can become God on your own. By doing these works, by achieving these things. Christianity is the only religion, because it's not a religion, that says you can't become God on your own. You only become God like God through Jesus Christ. 
right? Nobody becomes a God. There's only one God. We were created to reflect the image of God. And in Christ, as we're reconciled to the Father, he restores the image of God in us. And we reflect his image again in the world through our relationship with Jesus Christ. And so that's why God created you, to live a godly life to bear his character. There is only one God that we worship, right? He is Father, Son, and Spirit. And we are here to reflect as the creatures, to worship him and reflect his image. And now that is the image of Christ in us. That's the new creation. That's what he does when he restores a relationship with us through Jesus Christ. God is more concerned. Here's the one takeaway for Orange County. Here's the one takeaway for our daily lives. God's more concerned about your character than he is about your comfort. And that's a hard message to hear in Orange County, guys. Because I live that every day. I get in a comfortable car. I want a comfortable, cushy couch. I want comfortable chairs in my church. I want comfortable conversation. I want a comfortable life in Orange County. And that is the message that the culture shares us every day. You know what? You can buy and earn and make your comfort. It's all about you and your family, and it's about your comfort. And that's why this world is a complete mess. Because people care more about their comfort than they do about loving their neighbor. They care more about their comfort than they do about creating a great marriage. They care more about their comfort than they do about raising kids and having the hard conversations. And so we have an entitled group of teenagers many times. They don't give a a hoot about anything that the culture says or their parents say or about respecting and honoring others, right? We have gone crazy with entitlement and all about me, the gospel of me, and we've forgotten that the purpose of our life is not comfort, Comfort is fine. Comfort is good. That is a good thing. But there's going to be choices in your life where you're going to have to choose character over comfort. And that's God's plan because he's growing you up to mature you to become like Jesus Christ. There are many young Christians who accept Jesus Christ and come to me and said, where is God? I'm going through hard times. Where is God? I lost my job. Where is God? There's difficulties. And I take him to the scriptures and I said, you know, God never promised you a comfortable life. Even his son said to his disciples, in this world you will have trouble. That doesn't sound like comfort, does it? Did did, did I read it wrong? In this world, you will have trouble. This world outside of God's total redemption. We live in a fallen, broken world. This world is not going to be comfortable, guys. Especially if you want to follow Jesus Christ. It's not going to be comfortable. But take heart, because Christ overcame the world, and now God... And his goodness and grace can take all that discomfort. And if you're willing to trust him, he can use that to transform you into the image of Christ. He can use all that stuff and bring it for good and work it for good and transform you so you'll be in the image of Christ. And guess what? You'll be more comfortable. What? You'll be more comfortable. Yes. Why? Because your comfort will become from your heart now. Your comfort will come from the comforter who is the Holy Spirit. You see, the ultimate comfort is not from external stuff. You're never going to be comfortable with money, power, success. You're only going to still want more, desire more, need more. You're going to be frustrated. You're going to be dissatisfied. You're not going to be content. The Bible says that over and over again. Worldly things will not bring you ultimate comfort and contentment. Only the Spirit of God 
Only the character of Christ will bring you ultimate comfort. Whether you have great success or great defeat, you'll still have comfort because your comfort comes from the heart of God and the Spirit of God. And that's a daily choice that you can make through uncomfortable things that are in this world and about. Choose character. Choose character over comfort and allow the image of Christ to grow up in you. That's God's purpose for your life. You're shaped into the image of son. That's why he puts you in a family. The book of Acts, it's not a comfortable story. Did they have comfort? Yes, they shared their food. They loved one another. They had fellowship. There was a lot of things that was comforting them. But guess what? The world around them, it wasn't comfortable. They were persecuted. Many of them were struggling because they lost their economic ability to earn in that culture, that Jewish culture. They were ostracized. They lost their community. They lost their ability to have jobs many times. They were spread out. They were, they were rejected. And so it wasn't a comfortable culture or environment. Their comfort came through the family of God, through the encouragement of Christ as they met together and fellowshiped together. See, God uses a family to form us. Even if you're uncomfortable today and you're struggling in your marriage, you're struggling in your job, you're struggling in your education, whatever challenges you have, God gave you a family, a community to help you to be formed so you understood the character and the comfort of God deep in your heart. When I'm going through discomfort and troubles, last week I had a huge allergy breakout. My face was in hives. I didn't sleep for two nights in a row. We're supposed to go to Mexico and build houses. I'm puffed up and blown up all over the place. I'm feeling terrible. And guess what? A buddy comes over to my house because I told him that. And he comes and he lays hands on me, prays for me. That's the family of God. My wife comforts me with, with, with the spirit and the word of God and serves me. That's what, It comes from family. And when you're struggling and challenged, what happens in Orange people, Orange County? We hide from the family. I'm not going to go to church. What if people saw my face is broken out? I'm not going to go to church. What if people found out I lost my job? Oh my gosh, they might think bad of me. I'm not going to go to church. They might find out that my marriage is struggling. Heaven forbid, but all these, all you guys find out that my marriage is struggling. And so we hide from each other in church. We put on Jesus' faces and we pretend everything's great when our lives are falling apart. God created the church for exactly the opposite of that. That we'd come together and we'd be authentic and real, just like Kelsey talked about. Hey, I come here and I realize there's people that have problems just like me. Nobody has their act together. We're all in messy situations. And somehow in the mess of Acts 2, with the word of God and the spirit of God and the love of God, God is changing them. Even in the messy situation, look what it says. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs God performed through the apostles. You see, when we're uncomfortable, we have to trust God. And guess what? When we trust God, sometimes the Holy Spirit shows up and he does miracles. Not man-made miracles. We're great at man-made miracles. But sometimes God shows up and the Holy Spirit does miracles. And we've seen them in our prayer ministry. We've prayed for people that are struggling with diseases, that have brokenness and difficulties in their family systems. And we've seen God do miraculous things. You know, sometimes the discomfort allows us to trust God and the Holy Spirit comes in and works in a way that we've never seen before because we're trusting God and we're relying upon him versus ourselves. That's what this church is happening All the believers were together in common. 
They're uncomfortable because they're having to sell their property to help a brother. To help a brother or sister. I asked you guys to be uncomfortable a little bit at Christmas. I asked you guys to sell some property or give some things so we could help a family from Nicaragua. A family from Nicaragua that had nothing and the communist government had taken everything that they had from them. You know, their, their family legacy, houses. You know, Hector had three cars at one time. Hector had, had a job and a great place. That was all devastated by an oppressive government. He had no opportunity. He's trying to find freedom and hope for his family. And you guys helped him leave that, comfort, uh, that place of discomfort. And it was a, tr- a difficult journey. We thought it was going to be seven days. It took three months for him to go make the journey from Nicaragua all the way to Rosarito, Mexico. But his family is there. And this weekend, they invited me into their house because of your generosity. And his wife made me gallo pinto, beans and rice. And she sat there and she wept, thanking you guys because you were willing to save her family. That was uncomfortable for you, but you changed the life. You pull out of your wallet and you said, hey, I'm going to have some discomfort. I'm going to pay and I'm going to use God's money to help others find freedom. You know that picture of that house that we built that was shown there? There's a guy on the roof going like that. You know who that is? That's Hector. That's the man that you rescued from, from, from discomfort in Nicaragua. Now in Rosarita, building houses for the homeless. His life has been transformed. That is the community of God. It's uncomfortable, it's difficult, it's challenging, but as we sell and we give and we wrestle and we're uncomfortable, God provides life for others and he provides a deeper life in Christ for us because we have deeper joy and peace in giving. This is this community. Every day they continue to meet together in temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, even in the challenges of life, we can be a family and we can walk through life together. And they praised God and enjoyed the favor, and guess what? God added to their number. God added to their number. I saw some teenagers this weekend in Rosarito, kids, you know, high schoolers, that gave up their weekend to come down, and mom took them down, and then one of the kids goes, my mom made me come. And at the end of that thing, he celebrated and said, oh my gosh, I can't believe what God did through this, these, these people down here. We, none of us knew what we're doing. You know, we had a couple of experts, but most of us don't even know how to build a house. We come together, 40 of us, like, like bees and swarms and try to build this house. And all of a sudden, this house comes up and these people's lives are changed. And this high school kid with a tool build and never had a hammer in his hand before, he helped build that house. He put five of those nails in there. He's going, oh my gosh, look at what God did. And his life was changed. And guess what? The church was added. That family that we build a house for, they're a part of Nueva Casa Church. There's baptisms that are happening this morning in Nueva Casa Six people baptized because of people that are willing to be uncomfortable and go to Rosarito and serve others and build a house for a weekend. How does this work? How do we grow up? It's the Spirit of God working within us. It's it's not our own power or strength that grows us up. It's not a self-help program. It's a spiritual development program that God created since he birthed his first family. Look at what it says in 2 Corinthians 3.18. And it is the Lord who is the Spirit. The Spirit of God was in the midst of the early church, that Acts 2 community. The Spirit of God dwells here in this community because it's inside of you. 
And if the Spirit of God is inside of you, you are the temple of God. You are the building of God. You are the family of God. And God is doing a work in you and through you. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, he makes us more and more like him, like Jesus, as we are changed into his glorious image. We cannot produce Christ-like character through our own power and our strength. We cannot do that on our own. We need the Holy Spirit inside of us. The Acts 2 community became a family when the Spirit fell at Pentecost and it indwelt them permanently for the first time. The Spirit of God dwells in you. If you are a follower and a believer in Jesus Christ, you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. And it is God's work who is working in you to transform you into the image of Christ. Only the Holy Spirit has the power to transform your life and to make you into the image of Christ like his Son. This process of making us into the image of Christ is called sanctification. It's the process of holiness. It's the process of setting us apart to become like Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. And we're growing up to become who we are in Christ. As Patrick said, you're becoming who you already are. Because when you accept Jesus Christ, God sees you positionally as holy and blameless. You have this position next to Christ as holy and blameless, and now you're growing up to become who you are in Christ. You're growing to become like him through the Holy Spirit. And we have to partner with him, though. We must cooperate with the Holy Spirit. We must cooperate with God's work in us. Look at what Paul says in Philippians. Therefore, my dear friends of the church, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. His purpose to grow you up, to become like Christ. So work out because God is working in. There's a partnership here. God's work is to work in. He's placed the Holy Spirit inside of us. He's placed the DNA of Jesus Christ inside of us. We have, we are born again, we have a new nature. And now it is our job to work that nature out, right? In the way that we live and perform our lives, in obedience to the Word of God, to work out what God has worked in. You see, we love the the word grace in the church, and it's a great word. It's a uniquely Christian word. It makes Christianity a relationship with God, not a religion, because we have a relationship with God by grace through faith. We put our faith in Jesus Christ, and it is the grace of God through his work and his son that brings us into relationship. We're born again. That is all a gift of God. We can't earn any of that. We don't earn our salvation, but grace is not opposed to effort. A lot of Christians say, well, I I became a Christian, so now I don't have to do anything. I've got my ticket to heaven, and you know, I go to church twice a week, month, and I check off the thing and do whatever I want to do. Yeah, I got some sin over here, but you know, God loves me, and when I die, I'm going to heaven. That's most of Christianity in America today. That's not the early church. The early church understood that grace was very costly, not to them, but to Jesus Christ, who gave his life so that you could live a new life. And so they took that offering of Christ very seriously. And so instead of trying to earning, they gave the effort to become like Christ. God is asking you to become, give the effort to become like his son Jesus, to work out what he has worked inside of you through the Holy Spirit. 
There is a shared responsibility in our spiritual progress, right? We all must make the effort to become like Christ. It doesn't earn our salvation. It's already been earned, but it takes effort. It takes discipline. The early church gathered daily. They devoted themselves to the word of God, to the teaching, to the fellowship. They went after sharing and caring for one another. They devoted themselves to community and to the word of God. It takes effort to devote yourself to those things, especially in a world that wants everything from you. You have to make a choice. We must, this is what old, one old preacher said, you know, from the Puritan time. We must labor to draw near. That is the effort. We're laboring to draw near to Christ. Open our hearts to him. Submit to him so that work can flow in and out of us. That's kind of a description of this work that we're talking about. You know, Seth Curry, I love him. Anybody watch Golden State? They're up three zip. Man, what a great team, right? Seth Curry, man, he's an amazing athlete. He sort of looks like his daddy, doesn't he? You know, his daddy was a pro basketball player. His brother's a pro basketball player, right? Uh, So his daddy um, was Del Curry, right? A great basketball player. He's got the likeness of his father. Why is he a pro? He's got the DNA of his dad. You know that? He's got the DNA of his father in him. So did he get up and say, hey, there's my dad. He watched a video of his dad and said, hey, I'm a pro basketball player. Is that what he did? No, he had to work every day to work out that DNA. The DNA of a champion was inside of him, but he had to work that out every day in practice and discipline, showing up, doing things, exercise, diet, so that DNA could come out of him. That's a picture of what we're talking about here. The DNA of Jesus Christ is inside of you. The Holy Spirit of God is inside of you. But you have to work that out in your marriage. You have to work that out in the workplace. How do I live a life of integrity? You have to work that out in your finances. How do I deal with the debt? How do I have an actual financial peace plan where I can work out God's... If you want help with that, we'll help you with that. A lot of people struggle with it. How do I have financial peace? You've got to work that out. You've got to work, how do I raise my kids in a godly fashion? You've got to work that out. You see, God has given you the power and the strength. He's asking you to participate by allowing him to work that out in that and through you. But it takes effort. How do we do that? Jesus gave us a great picture for that. In the upper room, he was with his disciples. He said, here's how it's going to be worked out. I'm the vine, that's my part. You're the branches. I'm the vine. You're the branches, right? If you remain, if you abide, if you continue to stay connected to me, continually connected to me, just like a vine is to the branches, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. See, abiding is that working it out. Our work is to abide, is to draw near, is stay connected with him. It is a posture of reliance and dependence. A moment-by-moment, daily dependence on God and submission to the Holy Spirit. We're continually surrendering. We're continually abiding and remaining in Him. Abiding is an action, right? That we must choose. Because Jesus said, abide in me. Choose to stay connected with me. Choose to remain in me. We are called to rest. That's the weird thing about abiding. Abiding is learning to trust. It's not learning to control. The world says, here's how you get things. You learn to control. You learn to manage. You learn to do everything you want to do. You learn to do your agenda. Abiding is learning to rest, to trust, and to surrender in his agenda on a daily basis. 
His word is a big part of abiding. It's resting in him together. He didn't say, I am the vine, you are the branch. That's, that's religion in America. I'm the vine, you're the branch. You go out and trust me and do whatever you want to on your own in your way. No, he said, you're the branches. We abide in community. The early church abided in community. Part of our abiding is our togetherness in Christ. Right? So we don't do it alone. We do it together. We do it in community. We do it with one, one to another. We abide together. Yes, there's an individual aspect of it, but there's also a communal aspect of abiding. He says, you are the branches. And here's the means of abiding. If you remain, there's that word again in me, and my words remain in you. The word of God is one of the methods of abiding. Daily opening, daily renewing, daily meditating on the word of God. So our minds can be transformed into the mind of Christ. We'll have his thoughts, we'll have his understanding. He says, as my words remain in you, you ask. See, these, these, this abiding is about relationship. We abide in his word, we receive from him, we hear his voice, and respond by worshiping and asking him. And if you ask whatever you wish, it will be done for you. Because you're going to ask for his will. Jesus said, when you pray, say, not my will be done, thy will be done. So we abide in his word and we ask for his will. And as we do that, you bear much fruit. This is my father's glory that you will bear much fruit. Showing yourselves to be my disciples. You will show the world that you are family. You are the family of God. Disciple of Christ because you will bear my fruit in the world, right? How's it going more? He says, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. We're going to end our service in a minute with communion. Communion is abiding in the love of Christ. We abide, we come to the table, and we receive his love. Oh, Jesus, thank you for your body and blood, which is given for me. I receive your love. I receive your grace. I thank you for the cost that you paid for my freedom. Abiding in his love. I am a beloved child because of you. Communion is one of the ways, a practice of abiding in his love. As we abide in his love, then we take that love to love others. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love, just as I've kept my Father's commands. Remain in his love. I have told you this, that your joy might be complete and that your joy may be full. We abide in his love by what? By loving others. By loving our friends, loving our neighbors, loving our spouses. You see, that's the practices of abiding. God's giving you those practices because as you abide, as you practice that working out with him, guess what? You bear fruit, fruit that will last. And that's what God ultimately wants. He wants you to bear the fruit of Christ's likenesses. That's what the Holy Spirit produces in you, the character of Christ. This is what you'll look like. More and more you'll see the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That will work out into your marriage. That will work out into your life. That will work out into your workplace. That will work out into going to Mexico and serving the poor and needy and building houses. Going to give to the homeless. Giving to your neighbors. Loving your family. It will work out and in and through you. And you will bear fruit. The fruit of the kingdom of God. And people will look at you, and people will look at the church again in America and says, there goes a bunch of hypocrites. No, I won't say, they won't say, there goes a bunch of judgmental, angry people. There goes a bunch of people that, that, that hate the culture and don't care about anybody. 
There goes a bunch of greedy people. The culture is going to say, there goes Jesus. There goes the people that look exactly like Jesus Christ. People are going to see your marriage and go, why? People see Kathleen and I in marriage, 38 years. Why? How, how, how did you get through 38 years? And guess what? I get to tell them about the fruit of Jesus Christ in my life because of his advising love. How did you raise children that are respectful and kind and loving? Well, it was only because of God's help and his word and prayers and the people of God. See, we have a God story because it comes out of the character in our life, the fruit of the Holy Spirit. We show it and then we can tell it. That's what God wants to do. That's the attraction. It's not the building. It's not the coffee. It's not a smoke machine. It's none of that stuff. The attraction is Jesus Christ in you. You are the hope of the glory. You are the hope of the world because the gospel is inside of you. And as you go and share that gospel with the fruit of the Spirit, God's going to change lives. That's why we're here. That's the purpose. And as the band comes up and we end in worship today, I want you to think about that. Why did God bring you into this family? Why did God place you in this church? Why did he put you in your neighborhood? Why are you in this world? You are here to bear fruit and to bring that fruit into your marriage, that fruit into your children, that fruit into generations, into your neighbors and your friends. And as you do that, eternity will change. Lives will be transformed. And you will be the most content and comfortable person you've ever been. In spite of your circumstances and your challenges, you will be more content and comfortable than you've ever been. And that's God's promise for you. I saw that happen in Rosarito. I see a church of people that have so much less than we have, guys. They, they live in dirt streets. Their food is, is not even compared to our food. There's, there's no fast food on the corners. There, there's no light posts at night. There's dirt and there's grunge and there's struggle and it's difficulty. And yet I see people that love Jesus Christ, that are so full of joy. Carlos, you know, worked in the prisons, was a prison guy, was, was part of the black mafia. His life has been transformed by the gospel. Francisco led him to Christ. We were there the first Now Carlos is the pastor of a church, the church that you planted down there. His life has been changed. He's not, he's not full of shame and guilt because of what he did in the past. He's not full of judgment. He's full of love and he's loving those people. That's what God wants for you, for your life, for your family. This morning as we, we end our time in worship, come to this table and thank Jesus that he gave his life so that you could be formed into his image, that you could become just like him. Thank the Father that he adopted you as a beloved son or a daughter. Ask him to form you more. Maybe you need to ask him to help you to form you in your marriage. Maybe you're just a young married and you're trying to figure that out. It takes time and process. But he wants to form you in the image through your marriage. Maybe it's your finances that he's working on. You want to surrender him in today. Maybe it's your kids and your parenting. You're stressed out. You're trying to do too much. You're trying to make your kids perfect in Orange County. You guys, kids sports, sorry, it's never going to make your kids perfect. I tried it. It doesn't work. It's only going to make you frustrated and exacerbated. Let go of that. You don't have to be perfect in that. Trust God in that. The most important thing is that kids' sports could be used to transform your kids to the image of Christ. Now, when my daughter set the bench, I understood there was a purpose greater than her playing. And my anger for the coach, it went away. And I started to trust God that sitting the bench was a part of my daughter being formed in the image of Christ. And she's a superstar today in the kingdom of God. So I trust God with that.
What what does God want you to trust him with here today? Your workplace, whatever it is. Let's just bow our heads. If you might just take your hands and cup them open. I want to pray for you. Dear Jesus, we open our hearts to you. Holy Spirit, we ask you to come in and fill the cup of our life with more joy, more peace, more thanksgiving, self-control, Father, against the addictions of this world. I pray, Holy Spirit, that your presence would give us more gladness and joy, more love. Lord, more gentleness and faithfulness in our marriage with our children and our family. More, more forbearance and goodness to our neighbors. Fill this cup to overflowing. Jesus, we thank you for your body and blood. Heal us in your love and allow us to live a life that loves others. We pray this for your church this morning. In Jesus' name. As we worship, there are four stations. Just grab a little piece of bread, dip it in the cup, and thank God for his son, the body and blood of Christ given for you so that you might have the gift of eternal life. Let's celebrate and meet with the Lord. We hope that this message has challenged and encouraged you. If you need prayer, would like to join a small group community, or are interested in partnering with our work throughout Costa Mesa and Orange County, please go to watermarkoc.com. We would love to start a conversation.